When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Kings County Distillery is New York City's premier craft distillery and among the most acclaimed small distilleries in the United States. Focused exclusively on whiskeys, Kings County has made a name for its bourbon, peated bourbon, empire rye, and other creative whiskeys. Kings County blends distilling practices from a variety of cultures into creative whiskeys that remain traditional while defying convention. Using Scottish copper pot stills, open fermentation, and local grains to make American whiskeys that expand the category. One of the preeminent craft distilleries in the United States, the American Distilling Institute named Kings County Distillery of the Year in 2016. What makes Kings County whiskey different? Because they distill all their whiskey themselves according to their own specification and they don't resell their whiskeys to other brands. I'm partial to the cast strength, clocking in over 120 proof because of all the extra flavor you get when you forego dilution, but I also want to get my hands on their multi-award winning bottled and bond offering. But every expression is delicious. You can't go wrong. Kings County can be found across the U.S. Go to kingscountydistillery.com to find out where. Well, this is a movie that I have loved since my childhood. I don't remember the first time I saw it. I don't remember a time when I didn't already know it and love it. Um, we're almost exact contemporaries, I guess. I was born in 1980. And mm. I still love it now. I just made my kid watch it fairly yeah. recently. So I, I feel like the Muppets must say something about my personality. It's, it's like so deeply ingrained in me. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But when you said a movie you love, this is the first thing you think about. Welcome to Open Form. I'm Michael Denzel Smith. Kermit the Frog is on his way to Hollywood. To get there, you'll need to avoid Doc Hopper, the restaurateur attempting to get Kermit to become the mascot for his frog legs business. But Kermit is alone, as his cross-country trek finds him gathering a band of Muppet pals all headed out west to accomplish one thing, make millions of people happy. This week's film is The Muppet Movie, and it was chosen by Celeste Ng, author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Little Fires Everywhere. I had not seen it. I think I've seen, I had recently watched uh, a Muppet Christmas Carol because I love the Christmas Carol so much. I will watch every iteration of it uh, and do it multiple times, but I had not seen the original Muppet movie. And it feels like something that like, I felt I should have already seen, like just because the Muppets were such a part of my childhood. But I remember that what was really a part of my childhood was the Muppet Babies cartoon. I also grew up watching the Muppet Babies, which I loved because because of the Muppets. Um, I mean, they're they're different, right? Very like different. The whole conceit of it is different, but there's certain similarities. I feel like where it's very cross referential in a way you don't expect a kids show mm-hmm. to be, and um, 
it's it's very spoofy and they parody things and yet there's also this kind of weird like genuine heart and sentiment to mm-hmm. it um it's one of the things I love about the Muppets that it pivots so seamlessly between being kind of snarky and completely zany and goofy and then being incredibly, incredibly sincere and earnest. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know how they do that. I don't know. And that's the thing that really struck me um, in watching in preparation for our conversation. I was, I was just like, wait, this is basically a G rated Mel Brooks comedy, right? <laughs> it's like a real, comedy but it's also like a buddy movie Mm -hmm. and if you think about it it's like a little bit dark like i was watching it with my 10 year old and he's like wait so they want to eat kermit's legs i'm like yeah (laughs) yeah they're eating his friend's legs like right there on the table like they just serve like other legs like somebody came by and was like here is a child leg yeah (laughs) yeah um so it's it's. I feel like a, a lot of people haven't seen the original Muppet movie, but for me, mm-hmm. that's like quintessential Muppetness. Yeah, if that makes sense. And like everything else is kind of like um, this is like the the most Muppety Muppet thing that there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I get that totally. It's and and I did. I guess I wasn't expecting. I guess I went into it expecting a little more of my idea of the Muppets now in being very like kid centered and like the, exactly what you're saying with, with all of that heart and warmth and all of those things and like you know, all of that. But this is very like sharp and like witty. And... Uh, so I was going to ask you, like, what did you expect going into it? Cause I, I have a sister who's much older than I am, and I think she was a fan of the Muppets. Like, they, the Muppet show was on when mm-hmm. she was growing up. It was off the air by the time I came around. So she introduced me into, you know, the world of the Muppets, and I remember having, like, the record album soundtrack <laughs> of this, you know? <laughs> like, you put it on the, on the, the record player. Oh, hey, Mr. DeFrog, uh, is it okay for me and my boomerang fish to be in your movie? Hey! I, I told you, Lou, not in the movie or at the screening. Hey, but watch! Whoa! I'm always curious about what other people think about the Muppets because I feel like they're to encounter them as an adult or even as an older child mm-hmm. um, to encounter this stuff. What did you think it was going to be like? I I did not think I was going to uh genuinely be laughing out loud at jokes <laughs> right and that, that they were like i thought I'd, I'd i'd watch it and be like oh yeah very much a kids movie that i can anticipate i could see being passed down and be like oh i love this when i was a kid i like my kids will love this type of deal where it's just like oh yeah i, I mean i guess i felt there would be a, a more Disney-esque element to it, right? Where it's yeah. just very much about, like, passing along lessons to... to yeah. It's like, no, this is some subversive comedy happening here. There's some, like... There's that... that There's engagement with, like, the pop cultural and sort of political landscape of the 70s. Like, yeah. there's a way in which this film... It, it seems to have some things to say, even if it's not, like trying to be you know completely in that mix it's just like well what film has cameos from like richard pryor and cloris leachman and orson welles and <laughs> wait oh you're like oh steve martin is the waiter yeah. right? and you're like there's madeline Kahn, and there's right you're like 
what's going on? And so as a kid, I didn't know who any of those people were. Yeah. And my, my dad would like pop in when my sister and I were watching this movie and just start cracking up because he'd see who was on there. I'm like, I don't know. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and then he'd be laughing because he's like, that's Mel Brooks. Yeah. Right? Like it, it's working at a number of levels and, and maybe that's why it sprang to mind as something that I wanted to talk about because even now as an adult, it's still, it's still genuinely funny to me. Like there's things mm-hmm. I love from when I was a kid because I loved it when I was a kid and you watch it and you're like, yeah, this is, I, I, I see it's flaws nor I see, like you said, it is focused on, I'm going to teach you an important life lesson, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this one, I, I think I love for more reasons than that. There is, like you said, it's very subversive, even in the ways that it's, you know, it's doing things artistically. Are you allowed to say artistically when you're talking about <laughs> essentially puppets? Yeah. But but it is, it's it's breaking the fourth wall. And mm-hmm. there's a level, I think this must have been what sparked my interest, my lifelong interest in sort of like metafiction and kind of like mm. meta jokes. Because there's weird moments in there where, um, you know, they're, they, they need a new character, and instead of summing up what just happened, they're like, well, just let them read the screen. Right. Like, you can't bore the audience. And I, I noticed it when I was re-watching it to, you know, to prepare for this talk, that at that moment, Fozzie actually turns to the audience and says, I'm sorry. Yeah. And goes back, and I had never realized he's speaking to the audience, like, through the screen. Oh, that is terrible. That's the most appalling, disgusting, revolting thing I've ever seen. I know. I'm a great businessman and a sweet fella, but I do lack the skills of a performer. You also make a lousy frog. You, on the other hand, make a terrific frog. And did you watch all the way through the credits? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. again, I was like, oh, this is like a Marvel stinger, right? right. And they get it, animal pops up at the end and is like, go home. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, whose brain does that? You know? Yeah. One of my favorite ones was uh, they, they do it twice and Kermit says, I hope this isn't a, a running gag where he's like, uh, mm-hmm. like, maybe you should take up Hari Krishna or something like yes. that. And it's like very of the moment, right? Like it's definitely a thing that was happening during the seventies, like yeah. people taking up the spiritual practice and like people finding them very weird. But then you insert that joke and then they're turning to the audience and just being like, I hope we're not making this a thing. <laughs> we, we don't want to. Yeah. And that's another example too. Like when I was a kid, that joke went right over my head. Mm-hmm. No idea what Hare Krishna was, right? But of course, everybody at that time would have known. And now I'm like, that's that's kind of funny. Like, you know, you don't expect that in a kid's movie. Um, there's something kind of kind of magic about it. Um, and then, like you said, they're, they've got these one-liners. And then they also have these moments of, like, really sheer earnestness, like, mm-hmm. towards the end. Um, and I don't know how they do that. I want to learn how to do that. So this is what I, I, I was like, I'm so impressed by this movie. Like, I, I was like, I love it and it's funny and all of this, but I'm highly impressed because like I said, I, I, I was like a G-rated Mel Brooks comedy. That's what this says. The look and the feel and the pacing and like with the comedic puppets. timing with puppets. puppets. And I'm like, how do you pull that off? That is very difficult to do. Like, Cause like Mel Brooks has at his disposal all the dirty jokes that you can right. make. Like this is cleaned all of that up and still manages to be just as sharp and witty. Exactly. And and I was so right before this, I almost forgot to get into the Zoom. Because I was like, oh, I should see if there's any like interesting like trivia that I, you know, can be prepared with. <laughs> so I, I learned it was like one of the highest grossing films of the year. Yeah. So it was a huge commercial success as well as being a critical success. And I don't know how they did that. 
you know, and I, I know they had lots of successes. And of course, the Muppets have been reborn in different ways. You know, more recently, like I watched it on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, I'm sure they're doing all kinds of Muppet stuff. But for me, this is like the most, like I said, like this is the most like essential core Muppetness of being yeah. all those things at the same time. And I don't know how. I don't know how he did it. It's it's brilliant. I mean, just like that. It's truly brilliant. Now, the fog will do your bidding. He will do your every whim, your every wish. He will do your television commercial. Yes, he will sell your frog's legs. Zapparuni. <laughs> Head full of jelly. A noggin full of library paint. Let's fry them brains. That's a crash when you've got a fun job. I love it, I love it. If I can inflict a little pain during the afternoon, I sleep good. So there, then there's this the story that's being told here. And I do think that there's... There's maybe a, a question at the heart of this that like is meant to be bigger than the Muppets. And I don't know if I'm like completely off base. I want to see where you're at. So what happens is Kermit's chilling, playing his banjo in the swamp and just singing his, his beautiful song, Rainbow Connection, which is uh, you know nominated for an Academy Award. And there's a, <laughs> a Hollywood agent uh, that, that's out in the swamp and he strolls by and says that Kermit should go out to Hollywood. He could become rich and famous. He shows him the ad in the newspaper, which comes out of nowhere. <laughs> They're looking for fam- open auditions for frogs. Open auditions for frogs. One day only. Talented frog comes in the next day. They're not going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Kermit's not swayed by the ad to, that says become rich and famous. When the, the agent says to him, you could make millions of people happy. Kermit suddenly yeah. is ready to go to Hollywood. Now we sort of lose track yeah. of that a little bit later on. Like he's, it's, it's like as he's collected more people, it's like, yeah, the rich and famous part. Let's like, let's let's focus right. on that. And he says, right when they get to the end, we're here to be rich and famous. Yeah, right. But but, yeah. but the motivator here for Kermit was making millions of people happy. And so I wonder if am I wrong in thinking that there's something about like what maybe Jim Henson and crew are trying to say about like fame and wealth, like being basically okay. If what your motivating factor was, was something genuine to begin with. Yeah, no, I don't think you're off base too. I, again, as I told you, I don't have anything smart to say about this movie. I just love it. So I was trying to think of a, what are what, is there a deeper message that we can <laughs> But I think that's part of it. I think that there is at the heart of, of this movie in particular, but maybe of all things Muppet, this kind of genuine joy in life mm-hmm. and this genuine desire to just make other people happy. Yeah. Um, to be happy, make other people happy. And I was trying to think about like, all throughout the Muppets, no matter whether they're on Sesame Street, whether they're on the Muppet Show, whether they're in the movie versions, even Muppet Babies, there's, they're all super different. They're all super weird. But then there's also this sort of sense of like, okay, cool. You do you. That's great. It's not hurting anybody. Great. Yeah. Can't, don't cut off other frogs' legs, right? But other than that, like, be, they accept Gonzo, right? He shows up. He's super weird. Yeah. And they're like, okay, now he's in the car. Cool. He's one yeah. of us, right? There is that sense, I feel like, of just finding joy in life and finding joy in other people and just wanting everyone to be happy and kind of get along which does sound super rainbowy, hippie, right? Sure. 70s. 
But I think you're right. I feel like maybe if, if there's a bigger message to that, maybe like the rich and famous would be a great thing. But really what you're doing in some ways is you're trying to reach those other people. You're trying to sing your song and, and make it something that people will enjoy. Um, I, I feel like that's as good a, an interpretation of the movie as any. This whole disguise is only so I could warn you. Oh, oh yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought the doc was going to hurt Kermit. I only thought he was going to lean on him a little. But now he's got this frog killer in from the coast, and the man is deadly. And you brought up something I wanted to get into in the sort of contrast that they bring up, basically with the the of the evil plotline of Doc Hopper trying to get Kermit uh, to be a spokesperson for his frog leg chain, right? Like, so there's another path to wealth and fame for Kermit if he decides to become a basically a sellout who's like yeah i will i will sell frog legs and sell out all of my brethren who will be killed and and have their legs eaten if i tiny crutches right yeah 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 and and it's like okay no that's that's insane why would i do that that's and he's running away from that and I feel like that's that's the contrast. It's like, are you doing something in the world to make people happy or are yeah. you here to be destructive? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And and so in the, I can give away the, the plot of a 40 yeah. <laughs> At the end, right, where they're having their Old West showdown, they're in the ghost town, right? And they have the standoff in the street and it's like the group of the big dudes, there's the guy in the mm-hmm. black with the, the, the fork shooter. <laughs> <laughs> Gun, I don't know what it is, right? He kills frogs. That's his whole thing. I think yeah. that might be the only line he says in the movie. Um, and then you have this group of Muppets who are all weird shaped and they're all different and they're all very cookie and they're all very small compared to the humans, right? And Kermit says, like, who are you going to share your dream with? Mm-hmm. He's like, I've got this dream. It's about making people happy. And all these people, these Muppets, are here with me because we share that dream. And then he says, who are your friends? Yeah. Right. And Doc Hopper kind of realizes he doesn't have any friends. Right. These guys who run even his main henchman, Max, is like, I'm actually not on your side. I actually don't want this. And that feels like what's at stake in the movie. Right. More than the money or the fame is that sense that you're going to be alone. Yeah. Um, that you're going to write your you're not there with other people. You're not making other people happy. You're not there to put something good out there. Um, and then at the very end, when the, the Muppets are making their movie, which was something that, by the way, I feel like we should come back to this later, kind of sailed past me as a child that they're making the movie that we just watched and that gets interrupted also by the Muppets in the movie. Like, there's multiple levels of meta. But their whole thing at the end, like, all the sets fall down, right? Like, everything falls down, everything collapses. They're left standing in this empty soundstage. But they're all there, all the Muppets. Mm-hmm. And if you look carefully, there's like the Sesame Street Muppets. There's yeah. all these kind of, every Muppet that was ever made, basically, up to that point is in that scene. And there's the sense that even though this huge movie scene that they were just filming has completely just fallen flat, quite literally, they're they're going to be okay because they're all there. And they say, you know, life's like a movie, right? And then you keep believing, keep yeah. pretending, right? We, we've done just what we set out to do. That sense that like, I don't know. There's there's something very deeply humanistic yeah. uh, again. If you can say that about Muppets, like none of whom are human in a wonderful <laughs> way, 
Muppetistic about that idea. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm going a little bit too deep here. No, no. And what is essentially, like you said, a, a kids movie with puppets. It's a kids movie, but I. The other thing that I, the other sort of comp that I thought about, uh, is like Shrek, because of the way like we talked about Shrek at the time it was released, where it was like, no, it's a kids movie that adults can also enjoy. And yeah. I was like, no, Shrek was really very much like an adult movie yes. that you could bring kids along to. That's, I think that's accurate. It is, that is not in my mind a movie that is actually made for kids. And that is not a diss. I feel like that is yeah. one of the things that makes Shrek great. But you watch, I just saw this thing on Twitter today about Shrek. If you haven't seen, I'll, mm. I'll send you the link where it's actually, I mean, like it's really subversive. And, and I mean, this is a compliment. There's a little bit about the three bears where you discover that Ooh. Mama Bear has been made into a rug. I, yes, I, I'm gonna sh- they show you there's the three bears. They're all being carted off in there. It's been a little while since I saw Shrek, but they're being carted yeah. off in cages. And then they get released. You only have two bears. You got Papa Bear and Baby Bear. And then you look back in the castle later and there's a bear rug. And it's oh, got the bow that Mom. Right. You're like, this is not actually for children. They don't. They don't know these stories well enough to find subverting them funny. Yeah. Right? They will later. But the adults are going to love it, and they can watch it, and they'll be like, great, it's a talking donkey and a big funny green guy, right? Right. Awesome. Yeah, but I just think think that (laughs) the Muppet (laughs) movie is just much more balanced in that way. That, like, yes, there's plenty of stuff there that I could only appreciate as an adult, but I could watch this movie with a child, and they would find it so joyful. Yeah. yeah, I think it's one of the things that's wonderful about them is that they're they're not jaded, mm-hmm. and it's why it's, I in my mind the Muppet canon includes the the three first Muppet movies: this one, um, the Great Muppet Caper, and then the Muppets Take Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with the Christmas Carol, but the ones that were made with Jim Henson, yeah, because I think the the Muppets have been figuring out how they relate to pop culture, like they mm-hmm. are part of pop culture, but they're like, are they going to be a little bit jaded? And for me, I love the fact that these early ones are completely not jaded at all. Mm. They have this kind of starry-eyed, like, sunny optimism. Like, you picture a Muppet, it's got those big eyes, and it's like, it's like, that's how they feel. And I kind of love that they can still be snarky and subversive and kind of sassy, and yet they still hold on to that completely sincere thing where they can be like who are you going to share your dreams with who are your friends mm-hmm. and it's a genuinely moving moment yeah in what could have been super sappy Fuzzy. yes uh, bear left what bear left right frog what never mind that's cute huh? oh 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 this is look at our little car down there oh this is like quiet uh, I want to talk about Miss Piggy, uh, <laughs> and, and it's like, and honestly, there's just there's one moment that stands out as one of my favorite uh, moments and favorite lines in the movie, and Miss Piggy delivers it. And there's all kinds of stuff with Miss Piggy that could be discussed, and like the badass character that like really owns every like her beauty and her strength and all of these things like you can go on and on about miss piggy as people have done for decades right 
but yeah. there's a there's a sequence where they've like gathered up a a, a few and there was like just after they picked up Miss Piggy at the fair or yeah. you know where she wins the beauty pageant and Gonzo's in the car and he's got the balloons that he bought for yeah. uh, the chicken girlfriend and then. Come here. And for Camilla, and then he's like flying around, and they've got to go get Gonzo. And then he comes like there, there's all kinds of wacky stuff happens, and Gonzo lands back in the car, and, and then Miss Piggy's like, "I don't understand anything that just happened." I love that. I'm so glad you mentioned. It. I mean, there's so many good moments in there, but she's like, "I don't understand any of this," and they don't explain. They just cut forward right. and they keep going. It's it's genius. Like it's. <laughs> It's just, it's, they're all, they're so good. Every, yeah. like, every bit of it is, it's so good. And it just sort of encapsulates our character, right? Where she's just like, mm-hmm. I'm unbothered or unfazed <laughs> and unconcerned by anything that's happening around me here. Yeah, if like, it doesn't make sense, like, I'm not with it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I don't understand anything. <laughs> and you just kind of roll on. And it's it's so great. I mean, again, I think it's the genius of those characters. And obviously we want to be serious because we're talking about this for Lit Hub. That the characters are so much themselves. Mm. Like they know who they are and they're always performed that way. And I love also one of my favorite things in this movie, if you watch it again or any of those, is you listen to who's talking in the background while the main dialogue is going on a lot of times those lines are ad-libbed but mm. they riff off each other and they do it in character which is kind oh, of amazing wow. to me there's like um there's a part where the they're they've got they've got the old studebaker and then they've got gonzo's weird plumbing truck upside down <laughs> on it and they're going to trade in the cars and they're going to the car mm. lot where they're just about to meet milton burl who is yeah the so they're driving along and you hear Kermit giving Fozzie directions, and Fozzie's going, "Okay, uh, okay, everyone, hold on. How do I, how do I get in?" And this is because they really have like a stunt person driving the car mm-hmm. in the trunk, <laughs> and so he's driving the car very awkwardly. And in the meantime, Gonzo is saying things like, "Is he going to sell my plunger?" <laughs> and you hear Fozzie, "He's not going to sell your plunger." Like they're just riffing off each other, and yeah. apparently they would do that. You know, people on the internet have found like their behind the scenes video. Where where they they're they've cut in between takes, but the puppeteers are staying in character, mm. and the care the puppets are talking. Wow! And they're they're sassing the director, or they're just <laughs> chatting with each other because they're so deeply in character. So I guess um, I was trying to make a serious literary point. I guess it speaks to the roundness of the characters and the depth. Like you said, Miss Piggy is just so in character. She's like, it's all about me. I don't understand this. She's she's a little bit like Arrested Development. Right. A question, and I won't respond to it. <laughs> and she's just out, right? <laughs> oh no, it's fantastic! I love it. But I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Oh, I I loved it. I, I had such a good time watching this. It was so fantastic. I I really genuinely was just I I, I think yeah, like it, and it it speaks to a way in which like uh culturally the way things can change right like in a certain acceptance or a certain like mm-hmm. idea of something gets passed on to you that when you revisit the origins you're like oh wait there's something else happening here that i real that i would have completely missed out on had i accepted a cultural narrative or like the way that i've received this no i think that's so true and i i was even thinking about the flip side which is that the muppets 
because they are puppets, right? Mm-hmm. Can continue, right? Jim Henson died in 1990, but Kermit is still alive, yeah. right? And I was looking, again, just kind of curious, like on Wikipedia, they have like the biography of Kermit the Frog, right? Mm. Like I didn't know this, but apparently he and Miss Piggy split up in 2014 and he did. Oh, and I'm like, wait, wow. okay, I'm not dealing with any of this <laughs> stuff. Right. But this is the weird thing about that the character becomes separate from the art, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then the cultural interpretation of both of those things becomes even a third thing. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, it's, it's true of any... Anything that reaches that kind of level, I guess, like whether you're talking about like a comic book hero, you're talking about a literary mm-hmm. character, you're talking about a movie character. If the character lives on, your interpretations of that character and everything that came before are going to get re-remembered in a different yeah. way. I was just thinking about the, um, the the essay that you did actually about how we're going to remember the, um, the, the this January, January 6th, 6th insurrection. In, in, insurrection. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, depending on how we look back on this and who tells that story, we're going to kind of write over that, which could be um, if it's remembered in the way that I think is the way it should be remembered, hopefully would be a good thing. If it's remembered in the way that other people want to rewrite it, Mm -hmm. where they want to be like, it was not, we're going to call it a, a, I don't know, whatever they're calling it, revolution or whatever, you know, when those things live on, we're going to like the time that we view them in the context that we see them is going to be so different. Like you said, you're thinking it's going to be one thing based on the Muppets that you knew as a kid and the Muppets is there now. And then when we go back, we're like, Oh, the source material is actually really different. Yeah. Um, I guess it speaks in some ways to how, how our conceptions of that um, really shape our understanding of what that source material is. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's like when you read, when I reread a book, Sometimes it seems really different to me yeah. when I read now than if I reread it. Well, you know, when I read it when I was in college or in high school. And of course, the book's the same, yeah. right? No, I'm absolutely. different, and the context I'm in is different, and it hits me differently. Yeah. Um, and maybe you know, maybe this is an example of that too. Yeah. No, that's it's so spot on. Yeah, like accounting for your own personal change with regards to like your engagement with art. Like, I don't think a lot of us do that part. No, I think you're absolutely right. And especially, I think, when it comes to things from, you know, from childhood, if if it was a part Mm -hmm. of your childhood, it becomes very hard to see it outside of the context that it was in. Um, And this is one of those movies that, for me, I can see it in a couple different ways. I see it with the Mm -hmm. same silly joy that my son sees it. He's like, oh, yeah, this is the part where, like, they run into the billboard and the giant cream pie comes down. That is funny. That is objectively funny, right? And yet now I'm like, oh... But I'm seeing all these other things in the movie that definitely would not have struck me when I was his his age, right? Yeah. Celeste, what's one lasting image that sticks with you from the Muppet movie? Honestly, I mean, the the part that I thought was the funniest as a kid, and I I think it's just brilliant now, is um, it's about in the middle. Miss Piggy has just walked out on Kermit, right? Mm-hmm. They've had this whole scene where she saves him with her karate and 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 then she gets a call from her agent. She gets booked in a commercial and she just ditches him and leaves, <laughs> which I did not get as a kid. I did not understand what was happening. Um, and then the screen melts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's because the film that the Muppets are watching in the movie, in the theater, 
Yeah. Right. Has melted, and the the Swedish chef is back there, wrapped up in the mm. film reel, trying to disentangle himself. And he eventually, like the Muppets, get rowdy and they throw popcorn and heckle, and then he gets the film going again. So it's purely a device, mm-hmm. right? Inter- I'm thinking about it as a writer. It's purely a device because you're like, how do I get from this super sad movement right. back on track to our buddy move? You know, we're moving west. We're just going to have a little interlude where we remind you that we're watching the film. It's like an intermission. Yeah. And it's kind of genius that you just, you know, oh, I don't know, whatever boring, sad parts where they get back in the car. That part melted. And we skipped <laughs> that part. We're but as a kid, it was just really funny because you forget that you're watching a movie and you forget you're watching a movie about Muppets watching a movie about themselves. And it's just sort of hilarious that, oh, it got interrupted the way that life gets interrupted. Yeah. So I think about that mo- the way more than I probably should. No. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, Celeste, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And I, I love I love the episodes you've done. And uh, thank you for bringing this joy into our lives at a much needed time. Thanks for listening to Open Forum, a podcast from Lit Hub Radio, produced by Justin Alvarez and hosted by me, Michael Denzel Smith. Feel free to like, comment, and subscribe to Open Forum wherever you get your podcasts and or sign up for the Lit Hub newsletter to stay up to date on our latest episodes. Next week, a young escort only wants the space to figure out what she wants, but has to navigate the men who attempt to dictate that for her.